that, let's just jump right in. If you have a Bible with you, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 3 this morning as we continue to make our way through this great letter. Also, we covet your prayers uh, just for wisdom. The what's what I'm going to look for? The live stream software that we normally use updated, and with that, it uh, it created a, a, a roadblock to live stream directly to Facebook. So um, we have to just use our live stream channel. So my apologies for those of you who might be watching. If you're normally on the Facebook platform, we do have a separate. Uh, subscription live, it's called live stream um, that we can stream through. So that's what we're using, have been using and using this morning, but I know it might be a little bit of a extra clicks for a few people. So anyways, my apologies for that. But uh, Hebrews 11, 1 through 3, and I entitle, entitled our message this morning, Faith Defined, Faith Defined. And does anybody need to borrow? Well, I saw the guys come down already. I'm, I'm late in the game. And we're good? You guys are good? <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, if you're there with me, I'm going to ask you to stand. And Greg, is it your last Sunday to you guys for you and Masa? Okay, I'm going to pray for you guys. Too. All, right. All right, the writer of this letter, again, we don't know who it is. Some believe it might be the Apostle Paul because of his mention of chains and even some of the formatting of the way that he... Uh, you know, gives doctrine first and then application later, but um, the author is not known, unnamed. However, we know it's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit pens and writes these words for us. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And for by it the elders obtained a good testimony and by faith, the writer says, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. From there, he'll go into this great list, uh, often called the Hall of Faith, but we're going to pause there for our time. Again, faith defined. And uh, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this morning, the blessing to gather together in your name. Lord, even as we will talk about faith, Lord, we realize uh, it is a gift that you give us. And Lord, you would say that even if we had faith as a mustard seed, small faith, that we could do amazing things. We could say to a mountain, be removed and cast in the sea, and it would be. And Lord, help us to have that kind of faith. And we realize that it's faith that has great potential. It's also faith that... Uh, is not tied to faith in itself. It's tied to you, Lord. Uh, our faith is only great because you are great and you are good. And Lord, I, I pray, even as the, the, the father who met you at the foot of the mountain with his kid who was sick and, and said, I believe, but Lord, increase my belief. Increase our faith, Lord. As we'll get to soon, we realize that without it, it's impossible to please you. And Lord, we want to be those who come to you, that believe that you are. And Lord, your word says that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you in that way. And Lord, that's what we want to do this morning. Father, we also by faith lift up Greg and Masa. Lord, we're so grateful for the Sheffields and our time of fellowship this past season. Lord, it's bittersweet. We're going to miss them dearly. But Father, we pray that you would bless them greatly. And where they might go, their next duty station, give them great favor there, Lord, community, and most importantly, Lord, help them to find a great church that they can plug into to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for our time this morning. Thank you for a beautiful day. Thank you for your word. We ask and pray these things together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, would you take a moment and say hello to someone? If you're far from somebody, you can just wave at them. Do the parade wave if you need to. So we, we've come to a, a really exciting chapter in the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 11 and chapter 12. And now all of Hebrews is exciting in its own way, right? It has its own form of intrigue and interest 
Uh, it's very inviting as we've been studying it. Hopefully you've been encouraged along the way. But it's this chapter that to me is the most dynamic, one of the ones that really pulls me in because we're going to see it's, it's about real people who weren't perfect, but real people and their real stories of, of faith, of following God in their time and the things that they experience. And, and I do believe there's much that we'll be able to relate to and there's much that we will be reassured and encouraged by. Now, sometimes chapter 11 is referred to as the hall of faith, uh, sometimes even the hymn of faith. It's where we get to see faith in action. It's faith with sneakers on, if you will. But before we get there, before we get to faith that's fleshed out or faith that's demonstrated, the author starts with faith defined. And he gives us a definition, a working definition. And it's very important that we start here. It's very important that we, we camp for a moment and get our bearings. You know, the, the topic of faith in itself is uh, deep and it is wide. It'd be like me coming up this morning and saying, hey, today we're going to talk about the human body, or let's talk about the tax code, or the universe, or uh, the mind of a toddler. You know, like, like, where would we even begin any of those topics? To what extent where would we go? You know, to what end would we even try to consider uh, the totality of any of those topics? And so, we cannot exhaust the topic of faith just in our 45 minutes or so that we have. Uh, and, and the writer doesn't provide us that. You know, the writer doesn't get into all of the intricacies or doesn't give us an exhaustive study on the topic of faith, but wants us, wants the reader to understand what does it look like lived out practically. You know, when it comes to faith, the writer isn't talking about faith as an abstract idea, um, but, but an actual one, one that's anchored to God, one that's anchored to God's Word. And by the way, he's not even talking about saving faith, though that, that is the starting point of our faith in the Lord. You know, faith in God isn't merely an intellectual acceptance of facts or of data. The Bible tells us that even the demons believe, even the demons know, right? The devil knows that there is a God factually and truthfully, that God exists, that Jesus is real, that he's the son of God, yeah, you know, but it's, that's not a saving faith. We wouldn't say the devil and the demons are saved. And so we have to understand that facts and belief in truth alone doesn't equate to faith or saving faith. Again, the writer's not necessarily talking about saving faith, but I, I did want to just make a couple comments. Understand that saving faith is where we begin, though. It's where the believer, the Christian, begins. You know, we, we come to a place where God uh, hopefully has overwhelmed your heart with his goodness, his love, and his grace, his forgiveness. And by that, then, we respond, right? We, we then place our hope and trust in life and the fact of that love, of that grace, of that forgiveness that God has shown us, that God has provided to every single one of us through the sending, the living, and the dying, the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ, who died on a cross for your sins and mine. And the Bible says that three days later, He, he rose again from the grave. Uh, in many ways, to demonstrate who He claimed to be, that He was indeed God in the flesh. And the Bible says that if you and I confess with our mouth as we believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, then we will be saved, Romans 10, 9. Now that's our starting point. And if you haven't started there yet, well, guess what? Today you can. Right now you can. That you can repent. That means just to change your mind. You realize the love and the goodness of God, hopefully been overwhelmed and you know, the Bible says it's the, the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. The reality of our sinful state, that we all fall short of the glory of God. We repent from that, we turn from that, and we then turn to the Lord. And by faith, we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. If you haven't started there, then that's where you get to start right now. 
But after that point, where do we go? And that is what the writer is addressing. Again, it's not our saving faith that he's talking about so much, but it's our sustaining faith. It's faith for today. It's faith for every day. It's faith for the daily grind. It's faith for the hills and the valleys. It's faith that we all need. And so we're going to consider this working definition the author provides for us. And again, hopefully it puts some handles on it so that we can understand what it means and carry this definition out uh, and apply to our lives today as we seek to learn and to love and to live out following Jesus in our world today. So I draw your attention back to verse 1 of chapter 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so right off the bat, the author is going to provide this definition. Now, if you've been journeying with us or you're familiar with the book of Hebrews, you know already he's already been talking about this topic of faith. And seemingly, when he wrote about it before, there was an assumption that the readers would know what he was talking about, but yet he, he circles back to provide a definition. Now, the word faith appears 31 times in the book of Hebrews, and 24 of those 31 times, it's here in chapter 11. And so this is uh, you know, a topic of faith. Now, you remember with me that this, the letter originally was written to Jews who had come out of Judaism, who had become Christians. You know, today we would call them Messianic Jews. They believed that Jesus was the Messiah, that he indeed was the Savior. And as a result of that, we understand from the context of the entire letter that they were experiencing some hardships just by the fact that they were following Christ. They were experiencing persecution. And with that, they were tempted to quit. They were, they were tempted to go back to the old life. And so the letter is written to uh, both encourage them and to exhort them, essentially with the theme of keep on keeping on, to keep your eyes on the prize. Don't drift away. Despite difficulties in your life, don't doubt the promises of God. Don't bail on Him. Jesus is greater than anything in this life, and so do not let go, because He won't let go of you, and do not go back. Now, we came to read these passages and hopefully we understood and appreciated that God is a realist. He knows that the Christian life can be hard. Life is hard. And that we need endurance. We need something that will sustain us through these difficult times and challenging times. And the writer's been reminding them, listen, it's not a religious system that will sustain you. It's a religious system and rules and rituals. It won't save you and it won't sustain you. It's just all externals. And it's not exhaustive, it's exhausting. It just, it's a cycle that you go through. And so what the writer is going to demonstrate here that it was as God had always intended it to be that we are coming to a relationship that, that the just shall live by faith. And so back in chapter 10, verse 38, he quoted the Old Testament prophet Habakkuk in Habakkuk 2.4 that the just shall live by faith. And it's from that verse, if you will, that he now is going to expand and launch into this examples of that from the Old Testament. And of course, that verse is central to both the Old and the New Testament. Paul quotes it to the Galatians. He quotes it to the Romans. It becomes a key verse of supporting the doctrine that we are to live by faith. Again, the starting point, salvation comes by faith in Christ alone. By the way... It is that verse that Martin Luther, as he's reading, right, he, if you will, kind of rediscovered or discovered the, the biblical doctrine of justification by faith. Moved when he read that to the point where he, if you will, launched what's called the Reformation movement. Right? He, 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 he protested against the established church. It began the Protestant movement. 
Actually, today is the anniversary of that, October 31st, 1517. Martin Luther nails 90, you know, his 95 thesis on a, on a, a castle church wall in um, Wittenberg, Germany. And he's protesting the established religion. God declares it's the just that shall live by faith, not rituals, not religion, not rules. And so here the writer launching from that same verse, giving us a definition. And notice with me that the definition he provides is a two-part definition. It's the substance of things hoped for and it's the evidence of things not seen. We'll take the first one first. The substance of things hoped for. Even that definition is a little bit ethereal, isn't it? That word substance is also translated as confidence or assurance. In your Bible, it might even say being sure. It's being sure of the things that we hoped for. In the original Greek, it's the word hypostasis, and it comes, it's a compound word, hypo meaning under, and stasis meaning uh, to establish or to make firm. And so in your mind's eye, you can picture a foundation or a substructure. In other words, he's saying that faith is our foundation of the things that we're hoping for, that we're, we're trusting in. Let me just make an application right away. This and the stronger that foundation, then the stronger the structure it can support. What's true in the natural world is true in the spiritual. The stronger, God bless you, the stronger the foundation, the stronger the structure it can support. And so faith is the foundation then that God establishes in our life. It keeps then our hope alive and secured. It keeps our hope from being shaken when trials come our way. When you think about it in terms of a physical storm, we've talked about this same imagery from last Sunday too. Here in Okinawa, I think this past summer, if I, my memory serves me correctly, we only had one quasi-typhoon, right? We couldn't even really qualify it as a typhoon. It came by and we got a day off or two and that was it. But when typhoons come here in Okinawa, we, we generally, generally, right, we don't necessarily panic. Right? We're not running for the hills. We generally don't evacuate. I realize there are some times and some places it can be a little bit precarious and dangerous because of, you know, mudslides and these things. But, but generally speaking, we, you know, we're not like, oh, no. We're usually like, oh, yes. You know, thank you, day off, right? Why? Why? Because we live in concrete bunkers. That's why, right? Trees and trampolines and K-trucks will go flying around. But your ugly concrete house doesn't go anywhere, right? <laughs> it is, it's a bunker. It may not be pretty, but man, in the face of a Category 5 super typhoon, it will stand. Your house stands firm. Because it's built on a strong foundation, and in itself is strong. And so it's the same idea that, that the stronger our faith, the stronger than our hope in our life. Understand that our faith in God would desire that it's not to be faulty or flimsy or fake because our faith is in the strongest thing in the universe. It is in God himself. And so we'll just pull apart this definition that the writer gives us. If faith is the, the substance of the things that we hope for, if it's the undergirding, if it's the foundation, then uh, let's just run ahead a little bit of the author and say, where is that faith based upon? Well, it's based upon who God is. It's based upon who God is, what God has declared and what God has done. That's why we have this foundation. And by the way, thus, when we come to understand God and what God has said and what God has done, our faith then grows. And it can grow stronger. It is, it is an attribute that God gives us that we can strengthen. Like faith can increase. Faith can grow stronger. It's like a spiritual muscle. Now Romans chapter 10, verse 17 tells us 
where that comes from. Right? Faith comes by hearing and the hearing of the Word of God. It's Peter who tells us that we can grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and forever. 2 Peter 3.18 And so we need to understand that, our, that, that faith then is the, is the foundation of our hope. And our hope, by the way, we talked about this before, right? Our hope is not wishful thinking or cross my fingers or knock on wood type of maybe if the stars align type of hope. You know, I, I, I don't play the lottery, but when I was a younger man, I did. And I think even as a younger man, I was realistic with my odds, I didn't pick my favorite numbers and play them with, you know, the Powerball back in California with the expectation that I, with the assurity that, you know, I'm going to win this thing. But it was more of like, yeah, let me just throw a couple bucks at this. It was more for fun. It was whimsical. It was like, you know, what if it was this kind of, you know, this dream that maybe one day... I didn't buy the ticket and then immediately go out and buy a fancy car, buy a boat. Like, oh, I've won. I got the winning ticket. It was a a fanciful hope. It was a dreamy hope. It was, uh, in many ways, an empty hope. Listen, the hope that we have in Christ, it's not dreamy, it's not fanciful, it's not whimsical, and it certainly isn't empty. It's the idea of being assured. It's the opposite of what I had with buying a lottery ticket, right? It is a hope that is immovable. It is immortal. It is eternal. It's anchored to heaven. The promise of it. The, the assurity of it. And it's a word, by the way, that means to wait with something with confidence or assurance. The Bible says we have a blessed hope. And our hope, again, is anchored in a person, just as our faith is anchored in God, and our hope is anchored in God, the risen and reigning Lord Jesus Christ. It's not tied to randomness. It's not tied to odds or chance or some, you know, uh, balls in a machine that's, you know, being uh, turned. (laughs) It is assured and it is solid. And it is a promise, or excuse me, that it promises a dividend. It does not disappoint. It does not defraud you. And so faith that God gives us is a, is a substance. It's our undergirding. It's the foundation of the hope that we have. It's all tied to heaven. It's all tied to the Lord. It does beg a question, though. What, what are we placing our hope in today? Where is our faith connected to? And so faith is the substance of things hoped for. The second part of that definition is it's the evidence of things not seen. It's easy to trust the things that we see. Although I'll confess, I, I tend to be a skeptic by nature, and I even be I think I'm skeptical to a fault. Because generally, I am more on the, if I can see it, touch it, taste it, hear it, handle it, then I will believe it type of person. I I lean towards the, uh, I want to be able to see it, you show me, and then I'll believe you kind of mentality. And yet the Lord invites us more in the mindset to say, hey, listen, you believe in me, and then I'll show you. It's It's not the other way around. But I'm grateful for the Word, I'm grateful for the Bible, because when we come to the Scriptures, it does reveal to us that there is an unseen world, there's an unseen dimension to our life and to you know, our reality. There's a spiritual realm. And we can understand it to a certain degree. I mean, there's, there is an unseen reality in our present world. Take, for example, you know, Wi-Fi signals. You can't see Wi-Fi signals. 
But usually if you go somewhere, it's, you know, it's the first thing we're looking for. <laughs> but we need a device, right? We can experience the reality of them. You have your electronic device, you connect along with it, and then it you know, opens the door, and then you can get to you know, the web and your email and these things. That's an unseen reality. Another one is radio waves. Like right now, there are, I don't know, tens, I don't know if there's hundreds, but there's tens of frequencies that are bouncing around in this room. I'm on a wireless headset. Yumi-san, who's translating into Japanese for us, is speaking into a transmitter that's going over a small uh, footprint of a radio, you know, and some of our Japanese body are listening to translation via radio. There's a radio waves that are bouncing in this room. And often just apologize to the English speakers, the Japanese usually get a better message. Yumi just makes it better. So. We can't see these radio waves, but uh, if you're like Eddie and Yastomo that have a radio, then you turn to the right frequency, right? what is unseen will become manifested, experienced. And so we understand that in the natural. The Bible tells us there's a spiritual realm that's just like Paul writes to the Ephesians in chapter 1, verse 3, and he says, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with every blessing in the heavenly realms, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. To the Corinthians, he's going to say how there's the things that are seen are not the reality, but it's the things that are unseen. But according to the Ephesians passage, our blessings are spiritual. Our blessings in Christ are heavenly. You know, for us, we, we generally operate in the physical, tactile, right? our five senses usually. That, that's the world that we live in. And, in. and that's the world that we live in. It, it can make the blessings hard to grasp, hard to appropriate. If they're spiritual blessings, if they're heavenly blessings, how do we, how do we get to experience them? How do, we, how do we appropriate them? How are they made manifest to us? How, how is the unseen then experienced for us? I submit to you that it's faith. Faith is what God gives us that allows us to put a handle on our blessings. It allows us to put a handle on what's promised and unseen so that we can carry it with us and experience it. Now, last Christmas, I bought Christy a, a, a jar opener gizmo thing. She was having trouble opening jars, and, you know, I'm not always around my big buffness to help her out, and stuff. although the boy's are around, but she's like, oh, the boys aren't going to be around, and that's my imitation of Christy. But anyways, so I got her, I got her one of those, you know, it looks like vice grips, I don't know, it was one of these gizmo gadget deals and it and it provides traction on the the jar lid in different sizes so you can just put it on there and and it gives the torque that's needed to help open up the jar it provides this handle on the access and i mean that's what faith does god gives us this handle that provides if you will spiritual torque it's a way for us to grab a hold of, of God's love, of God's power, of God's promises, of, of the peace that God gives us that surpasses understanding. We, we get to access and experience what is unseen. And we do so by faith. See, it's faith that holds us then past those five senses. It holds us past our feelings. It, it, it's faith that girds us through our limitations. The Bible says we're to walk by faith, not by sight. And here we're reminded that it's faith that allows us, enables us, it, it makes us certain then of realities that we cannot see. It's the glasses, it's the lens in which we get to see the promises of the Lord, experience the promises of the Lord. And again, I would add that we're not only we're to not walk by sight, but walk by faith, but we're to walk by faith and not by feelings. 
Because even in, we, when we cannot see in the moment, or our feelings, we feel like God is away. We feel like God's not near. We feel like God's not listening. And yet, the Bible says that God hasn't left you. He's not going to leave you nor forsake you. It's faith then that keeps you anchored. It's faith then in trusting who God is and what He's declared that keeps us then from running away. In many ways, I'd say faith even fills the gap of what we know to be true and what we're experiencing, of what we know to be true and what we're seeing. Faith in the Lord will hold you when everything else doesn't. Sometimes we can struggle with this. And I think it's natural. I'm grateful for the list that we're going to get to next week and the week after. Because we're going to realize these are real people who didn't necessarily follow the Lord flawlessly. But they had some bumps. They had some times where they fell down, and yet the grace of God would pick them up. And I'm encouraged by that. But still, we still want to work with this definition to know what God has given us. And, but we know we can struggle with this, and it's natural. You remember Thomas in the Gospels? You know, he, he got stuck with a nickname for this one particular episode. He was previously kind of known by a different nickname. Anybody know what Thomas's kind of first nickname was? For a thousand points? He's known as Thomas the twin, right? Didymus. I don't know that we ever meet his twin, what that means, but that's kind of his first nickname. But everybody knows his other nickname. What's, what's Thomas's other nickname? Thomas the, the doubter, very good. It's because of this one episode in, in John chapter 20. You know the account, it's Jesus has risen from the dead, and that first Sunday, they're, the disciples, almost all of them, Thomas is missing. They're gathered in the upper room. My paraphrase, and bear with me, like they're a little bit freaked out, they're a little bit in fear, they're trying to figure out what's happened. Uh, they've forgotten what the Lord had told them. <laughs> And, and Jesus, in his grace, appears to them, walks through the locked door, and he says, hey guys, don't freak out, here I am, peace be with you. And he comforts them, and he ministers to them. Well, Thomas is missing. And so later on in that week, they run into Thomas, and they say, hey Thomas, bro, you missed it. Jesus showed up. Remember we talked about before, don't ditch church. You ditched church, you missed it, the Lord was there. And Thomas's response to them is, uh, until I see his nail marks, until I see the holes in his hand, until I stick my finger in his side, I won't believe it. Now, kudos to Thomas because he didn't ditch church two weeks in a row. The following Sunday he goes, and sure enough, Jesus shows up again. And if you remember, the Lord appears and he says to Thomas, and he ministers in grace, and he says, Thomas, hey, don't, don't be doubting anymore. Go ahead. Stick your finger in. Go ahead and touch me. God, I love that scene for a lot of different reasons. One, I think the Lord doesn't, doesn't rebuke us in our doubts. Sometimes we have those doubts. God's not afraid of those things. Not a God. God's not afraid of our questioning. He invites us. Come investigate. Come and see. He welcomes that. But then at the end of that section, the Lord then says, hey, blessed, blessed are you that you got to see, but and he almost adds this, but blessed are those greater blessings are those who haven't seen and yet still believe. And so God wants us to trust him even if we can't see. And that's where faith then fills that gap, right? It's not based upon empirical data, but rather it's a, a divine assurance the Lord gives us. But gang, make no mistake though, it's absolutely real. It is solid. 
it's just not seen. And you know, the truth is that we, we exercise a type of faith regularly in our lives, in different arenas and places. We just don't give it much thought, or I don't know, maybe you do. I'll give you, one, I'll give you a couple examples. For example, when you mail a letter, or you click purchase now, or you have that one-click option on you know, your uh, online shopping, you have faith. You're exercising a type of faith that someone, some truck, some ship out in the Los Angeles Harbor has your stuff, right? And that letter, that package, that purchase, whatever it is, you have faith and you have hope that it's going to go where you addressed it to go or it's going to come where you hope it's going to come and now that we're so many days out from Christmas, hopefully soon, right? so that you don't have to then just print a picture and put it in the envelope and say, hey, (laughs) here's what's promised. We place faith in that. We have a hope in that. Or how about, although many of us aren't traveling nowadays, but, you know, when I spend hundreds of dollars for an airplane ticket, I put a lot of trust in the airlines. Oh, by the way, I have a praise. Thank you for praying for my daughter, Rebecca. She got her visa approved. And so we spent a couple hundred bucks buying it. We bought an airplane ticket before her visa was approved. But man, we put a lot of trust in the airlines, don't we? Because how many of you, when you're boarding the airplane, do you ask to go see the pilot? How many of you want to see their credentials? How many of you knock on the door and say, I just want to make sure that you're not tipsy, that, you know, can you take this breathalyzer for me? I venture to say that most of us don't even think too much about who, who's flying the plane. Who are the people sitting behind that locked door? What state of mind are they in? Did they get enough coffee this morning? Nope, you know, we put faith, a lot of faith, your very life, right, in in an unseen person or persons to fly you in this large metal tube in the sky going hundreds of miles with the hope and belief you're going to get to where you want to get to. We, we place hope and faith in things all the time. So we understand a, a part of this. Of course, this is much greater. I mean, godly faith. Godly faith gives us the assurance that we need on this side of eternity. That when we don't see everything that God's doing, when we don't understand the flight plan, if you will, we don't, we can't, we don't know everything that's happening behind the, the scenes, but we can fully trust the pilot. We can fully trust who's in control. That God will bring you to where he wants you to go. See, it's faith in God that sustains us then in every season of life. It is the undergirding of things that we hope for. It's the handle which God gives us that we can appropriate these promises. We can't see these things, and yet God says they're real. And how do we know that they're real? How do we experience them? Well, it's through the vehicle of faith. You're not faith in faith, but it's faith in God. Faith in what He's declared. Faith in who He is. You think about Daniel's three friends in Daniel chapter 3. You know the account? They were told to bow down and worship the statue. And they didn't. Like, no, we're not going to do that. And because of that, right, they get ratted out and Nebuchadnezzar confronts them. And uh, he gives them one more chance and they're like, no, nope, we're not doing it. And so, you know, the Babylonian king has the, this fiery furnace and he's like, all right, turn it up much hotter, you know, crank it up. And then he's in one last chance. And, and Daniel's friends respond in Daniel 3, verses 17 and 18. And they say this, if, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to deliver us from it. 
and he will deliver us from your majesty's hands. And here's a powerful phrase. But even if he does not, the idea, even if he doesn't deliver us from the furnace, we want you to know your majesty. We will not serve your gods, nor worship the image of gold that you've set up. And that is a faith that sustains beyond what is seen, right? That is a faith that sustains beyond what is being experienced. And gang, I don't, I don't know about you, but I, 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 I want to have, even if he does not, type of faith. Even if he does not. It's a faith that trusts God beyond our definition of deliverance. It, it's a faith that trusts God beyond what we think is healing or success or arrival. And so it's a beginning of our definition. Now the writer is going to give us other examples of faith demonstrated. But he begins with faith defined. It's the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. And he says, and for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. And here I want to submit to you that the elders here are not necessarily just older people in general. It can mean that. But, it, but I be, believe by context he's referring to the people he's going to reference, the, the, you know, the patriarchs of faith and the matriarchs of faith. This past week, some of you know, uh, it was my birthday on Monday, and then Christy's birthday, my wife's birthday, on Wednesday. And so I'm older than her by two days. Uh, and while uh, I was telling someone recently, I feel 20-something on the inside, uh, my outside body reminds me that I'm 40-something. And, uh, and my kids are very quick to remind me that it's not just 40-something, it's almost 50. <laughs> I was in this meeting recently with these other pastors on island, and, uh, and, and one of the other pastors who, who's become a good friend of mine, and uh, we were sitting on one end of the table amongst these other pastors here on the island. We have great fellowship, and so this uh, older pastor uh, was sitting next to me, and, um, and, he, and, he, and at this meeting, there was something said about, oh, well, the, the, elder, the elder pastor's here, and so... Uh, clearly, uh, the guy who made the comment, the younger guy, said, oh, the older pastor's here, was talking about the guy sitting next to me. And so I, in my chair, I kind of like did this, you know, like, oh, I'm referring to, uh, you know, Pastor John here. And uh, until the younger guy said, oh, no, well, Pastor Rick and Pastor John. I'm like, what? I'm not one of the elders, you know? <laughs> and then I did a quick survey, and I realized, oh, I'm... I'm probably one of the oldest guys sitting at this table. Like, I have the older kids at this table, and I thought, oh, no, yikes, I am one of the elders. <laughs> oh, that's a scary thought. The, the elders here, though, I submit, again, aren't just older guys in the church, but rather, rather they're the founding forefathers of their nation. Again, remember the, the original audience, and the context. The writer is wanting to demonstrate that a life of faith, I'll say it this way, a life of faith was not a departure from what God intended. Right? A life of faith was not a departure from what was revealed in the Old Testament, from what God intended, but, but rather a life of faith was what God always intended. It, it really was a benchmark of relationship Yet they missed it. That's really the, the idea there. That from the beginning, God wanted His people to trust and love Him through a life of faith. And so it's not really a departure from their Jewish heritage. In many ways, it's a fulfillment of their Jewish heritage. And so he's going to give a list of all of these, if you will, Jewish heroes, right? It's, it's Hebrew heroes that gained approval of the Lord, not by their great feats that they did, not their great accomplishments, but really just because they trusted the Lord. It wasn't because they had great character or, or you know, look at their integrity. Some of them we would say, ooh, man, they, they have some big faults. 
But beyond that, it was because they had confidence in God's promises. And so it's through that then, by faith, that these guys, though they're not perfect, they obtained a good testimony. And gang, likewise, as we'll get there, it's the same way in which we can also obtain a good testimony. Listen, a testimony becomes, it's really just a story, but you've heard the saying, right? You can't have a testimony without a test. And a good testimony, I would submit to you, derives from a grinding test. And it's by faith then that enables us to have that. I, here's how I, I, I reworded it, basically kind of just stating what we said before, but faith is a gift that God gives you. Okay, faith is a gift that God gives you. And it holds you. And it holds me. It girds us steadfast through our most difficult days. And it's that, it's that faith then that produces a story. It produces a testimony. You understand, it wasn't an accessory for them. It was necessity. It was something absolutely needed. It wasn't just kind of a luxury item of following the Lord. Oh, then I'm going to have this faith. No, it was essential for them. And from verses 4 and on, where the writer is going to highlight some of these stories of the elders as a means of encouragement for us as we read these things. It's not so much like the valiant acts of bravery or heroism. but mere, I don't want to say merely, it's a big thing, but just trusting God at His Word. You're trusting God at His Word. That produces the testimony. And so we'll unpack this verse further next week, but Listen, understand this, if you're a note-taker, the same is true for us. Your faith, our faith will determine the story we get to tell. Like all of us are trophies of God's grace. Right? The story of our life is still being written out by the grace of the Lord. God alone owns the script of your life. And He's writing out His story of grace in your life and through your life. But there's an element of what what story do you want to tell? What story do you want your life to tell? Is it the story that you tell where you didn't trust God in this situation, that you ran off and you quit? Is that the story that you want to tell? Or is it the story that despite not having all of the details, or despite the difficulty, that you knew the Lord and trusted God through it? For by faith the elders obtained a good testimony. In verse 3, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And that verse in itself we could probably spend a whole Sunday or two on. You know, those who study such things, astronomers, Scientists, they theorize that 98% of matter in the universe is invisible. And that uh, outer space and our space is made up of far more than we can actually see. And it's crazy to think about, try to wrap our mind around, right, how the universe is uh, indescribably vast. And yet, also incredibly tiny. You think of the microscopic or the atomic or even the subatomic, right? Because they, not only are they discovering universes and, and, uh, and galaxies and these things, but they discovered, right, the molecule and then the atom and then electrons and protons and neutrons. And then today, quantum physics talks about subatomic particles like quarks and gluons and charginos and xenos. There's a whole list of them. They sound like Pokemon characters. Right? I choose you, Chargino. You know. And yet, the writer was ahead of science. Of course, all of Scripture is. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We weren't there to see creation, experience for ourselves, but by God's word, 
And faith in what God has declared to us, faith in who God is as the creator of God, we understand. We understand. We know how the worlds then were made. And we know so because by the word of God. It's the word of God that declares these things to us. And gang, when we talk about faith, understand this. We, you and I, we cannot have faith in God without faith in his word. And that's where we get anchored to. You know, the famous missionary to China, Hudson Taylor, wrote a letter to one of his supporters, and in it he, he boasted, humbly boasted in this. He says, we have 25 cents, and we have all the promises of God. Maybe that's how you feel today. You don't have much, but you have God's word, and you have God's promises. You have everything that you need. See, if we can trust God with the order of the universe, then we can trust God with our lives. Let's take God at his word, amen? We'll come back to this next week. I pray that you'll come back. Father, thank you so much for your word, your love, your goodness. Lord, thank you for the gift of faith. We realize it it is then the undergirding of our life. It is the means in which we can appropriate the hope that we have. It's not fluffy, it's not ethereal, it's not fleeting. It's solid, it's real. It's anchored to heaven as we've been talking about. And Lord, by our faith, the faith that you give us, it holds us steadfast in our most difficult days. It sustains us through every season of our life, and we're grateful for that, Lord. It makes us certain of the realities we cannot see, and it puts a handle on those things, Lord. God, I I pray that, Lord, we we would love and appreciate that we'd hold fast this faith that you've given us. It, it will determine the story that we tell. Father, you are good. Your word is good. And we thank you, Lord, that the faith that you give us, Lord, it's good. And we realize that we can't have it in you without having faith in your word. And so, Lord, help us to be lovers of your word, students of your word. It's by your word that our faith then grows. It's by the hearing of God that faith comes. And so strengthen our faith today. Deepen our faith today. Widen our faith today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right. God bless you guys. We're going to have a...